You're listening to Living a Vintage Life by Retro Chalet. Thanks for joining. Here's your host, Cindy Fanastock Schaefer. Hey guys, thanks for joining Living a Vintage Life with Retro Chalet. I have been busy working on my other podcast. Um, having a little problem with that though, and I'll explain why before we get into today's episode. Um, I thought that it would be great to do my paranormal episode, which is great and it's important to me because it's things that actually happen in my life that I share. Um, but then Part of living vintage for me is also trying to live more natural and eco-friendly and green. Um, I repurpose a lot of natural products, like I make things out of birch bark. Um, I do a lot of tinctures and ointments and make my own face creams out of like dandelion um, and things of this nature. So I decided to do a third podcast called Nature Chalet. Um, but I'm having a little problem with it, and I'll explain why. And I'd love to hear your suggestions or comments. Um, maybe you guys can help. Um, so anytime you do anything holistic um, or natural, um, there is a component of Big Brother that doesn't want you talking about this. Um, I don't know how to really say it without saying it, um, but basically I feel like if I have a whole channel on natural stuff, which includes using natural plants um, in your daily life and herbal supplements and remedies that falls along the lines of this little disclaimer that Big Brother wants you to put on, like these items are not um, intended to cure any illness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, kind of gets me into trouble uh, in a medical sort of way um, when that is not my intention at all to uh, tell you to drink dandelion tea to cure anything. Um, but the problem that I'm really having with it is, you know, for centuries upon centuries prior to us, prior to our grandparents, dating back to European times, uh, plants and herbs and natural remedies were used in folk medicine for years. Um, not, not just, you know, to cure a tummy ache or to aid, I should say, not cure, aid in your tummy ache, um, but also, you know, to put on your face or as a cream or an ointment to rub on a rash. Um, you know, it's crazy. Like, on my TikTok channel, I often show what I'm making um, or what I'm doing, um, you know, picking dandelions to make my oil or this or that. Uh, and my number one video on TikTok, believe it or not, is not vintage at all. Um, it is how to use baking soda to take your bee stings away. Um, and my dad actually told me that, which I didn't believe until I got stung by a hornet's nest. Um so I'm kind of tossing the idea back and forth to try to wrap somehow um, that natural stuff onto this channel because I kind of feel like living a vintage life is not just vintage antiques and collectibles, but it's repurposing things in your home. It's using more natural products, living, living a more vintage style life, like living like you are in the past. Um, you know, and so I kind of wondered what your ideas would be on that. I wish you could shoot me a tweet or drop me a message on Facebook, Retro Chalet on all channels, on TikTok. Send me a message. Let me know if you think that would be something interesting to implement in here on the Living a Vintage Life channel. That would solve the problem. I could get rid of Nature Chalet channel um, and basically just kind of tie it in and maybe do episodes on that. But today I wanted to talk about also natural things. Um, 
shout out to a friend of mine here who is actually sponsoring this podcast and gave me the reason for today's episode. Meddlesome Means, M-E-T-T-L-E-S-O-M-E-M-E-A-N-S. Meddlesome Means is a shop on Etsy who is from um, Akron, Ohio, Abby Lucas. She specializes in finding and selling vintage home and garden decor. Uh, What I really like about her shop is this. She mixes an element of natural colors. I'm talking like neutral tones, whites, in with... Okay, some art pottery, some metals that have a European eclectic look to them, but also would double in a cottage. And this brought me to my next um, episode, which is basically how to mix and match your European collectibles with cottage. Um, Now, the certain things that she has in there, she has a lot of false graph, but she has a lot of uh, white. And so that false graph white, it's it's hard for me to ever find, Um, but she seems to have a lot of it for sale in there. It's free shipping, great pricing, Um, but she has like creamer, um, there's a flower jug, there's a a creamer pitcher, there's a gravy soup. Uh, These white items from false graph, um, this is like a Pennsylvania pottery very, um, to me, Pennsylvania Dutch, which dates back to like German ancestry, more European style in their styling, in their art pottery. Um, it's functional. You can use it, but you can also implement it in a cottage. So, so not only can you put it in like a European decorated home, um, but you can also use it in a country style cottage or a cabin or an ocean cottage. So, you know, when we think of different sects of collecting, um, we think of, okay, um, you know, cabin collectibles have to be one thing and seaside collectibles have to be something else. And, you know, the the house in the country has to be something else. And the European uh, mansion has to be something else. Not necessarily the case. You can implement a lot of these natural elements, things that are white, things that are simple lines, things that are hand-carved primitive wooden, bowls. Um, Now, she has something in her shop which really caught my eye. Um, It was a very, she calls it a very sweet tramp art wood tray uh, with floral botanical embellishments. To me, it definitely looks like something handmade something European, um, possibly uh, it looks like a little tool tray, if you will, with a hand-carved handle with a pretty little floral um, decoration. Very Nordic, very natural. Something of uh, uh, this this thing can be a cabin collectible, can, can be a cottage collectible. You can paint it white if you wanted to alter it and put it in a seaside home with seashells in it. You could use it natural state in your European home to hold your letters or your mail. So there is a lot of different things that you can implement in your home, um, but that are either labeled as European or labeled as cottage. Um, And so in the meantime, I want you to go visit Meddlesome Means, look at her styling, look at what she has, and this will give you pretty much the premise of this episode. Um, I'm actually recording this from my house, and I was actually 
watching the TV screen on mute. It's a, our local news here is out of DC. Um, and basically they have a very chic looking flower planter on the table, uh, with some roses in it. And I kept looking at that planter while I'm talking to you guys, because it's very simplified lines, very simple beige, looks great with roses in it, would look great in any kind of setting, country setting, cabin setting, seaside setting, European setting, mansion setting. So, so basically there are certain key things to look for when collecting that you can either resell or you can collect and will be worth something in many, many, many different settings. Now, let's talk about European collectibles, okay? The first thing that always used to come to my mind when people would say European collectibles would be old coins and beer steins, okay? And I don't, I don't know why this was. Probably because... Europe has such an old history compared to the United States, right? I mean, dates back thousands and thousands of years. Um, so you're loaded with Roman uh, coins. You're loaded with all kinds of vintage coins. And that's a big, huge thing. All these vintage coins. It's a huge, you know, collectible in itself. Kind of cool, though. Kind of cool to have some old uh, foreign coins sitting around your home um, because they're very interesting to look at the way they were made, uh, you know, back in you know, prehistoric, I want to say, but BC times, um, they were like, you know, hand, uh, hand done, probably hand cast and they're very off center. They're not perfectly round. Some of the older stuff, um, some of the pirate cobs, uh, if you're lucky enough to stumble upon those, they're really interesting, really neat little focal points in the home. But of course they have their own value and they have a huge, uh, you know, collectible uh, right in their own. So I, I'm not a coin expert. I don't ever plan to be. I do think it's interesting. You know, when I see them cheap, I'll pick them up because to me, they make really cool home decor. Um, I've even seen jewelry made, made out of really, really thousand-year-old coins. I actually just bought a Nordic uh, bracelet made out of old Nordic coins, and I just love it. It's awesome. Um, but the other thing that came to my mind was those whole German beer steins. Uh, and these were quite amazing. Like, they were made by very, uh, ex you know, sought-after pottery companies. The detail on them is amazing. Each uh, original German beer stein would be pottery on the bottom and somehow have, like, a metal, uh, I want to say pewter-style lid attached to the top that would, you know, uh, you could actually have a mechanism on it where the lid would open and close. Uh, and this was a big thing in collecting. Um, a lot of beer drinkers still will collect those, believe it or not, um, because a lot, a, a lot of it is related to beer, um, you know, German steins. But if you really look at some of the earlier German steins, they have amazing pictorial scenes on them. Like one may be a hunting scene with foxes chasing after a deer. And I never really looked at the story that the Steins told. Um, I actually just saw them, passed them over, never really gave them much thought. They're heavy, they're bulky. I didn't want to deal with shipping them. But there is still um, some people who collect these things because Back in, I want to say the 80s and 90s, Budweiser and some of the major um, beer collectibles here in the States, you know, were giving limited edition steins. So there are still people who have their their man caves that like to collect these old uh, beer steins and beer memorabilia. And then they kind of cross over into the German um, beer steins as well. But 
The beer steins from Germany are also collected by um, the people who may collect that German pottery. Um, so basically, you have the situation where a beer stein may be collected not only by a beer collector, but also by a pottery collector as well. Um, more so going to be the German beer collector. Um, and there are people that only drink German beer and only want to have German collectibles in their home. Um, you know, so when I think of European collectibles, those were the first things that came to my mind. But that is not so. Um, European co collectibles... I guess the easiest way for me to tell you what is highly sought after um, is a lot of primitive wooden things. Anything that you see that is primitive wooden. Primitive wooden beer mugs. Primitive wooden drinking glasses. Um, primitive wooden jewelry boxes. Primitive wooden small trinket boxes. Uh, primitive wooden... Um, the any kind of wood hand carved things. What I'm noticing as well, uh, it, it's kind of killing me softly, although I understand why, uh, people are disassembling European furniture. They may have, uh, and I am lucky enough to have, an antique, humongous German cabinet um, that has hand carved wooden drawers, hand carved uh, pictorial wooden doors. I actually got that off of Facebook Marketplace. Drove three hours to get it. My truck was breaking down along the way. But darn if I didn't pick that sucker up. And I have it in my home. Um, but what they're doing now is people that aren't able to move this old furniture, they are disassembling it. It's kind of killing me softly. But what, the, what you'll see is that's very collectible is they will sell a door. Um, and it's a beautiful oak hand-carved French armoire door, uh, definitely European collectible. Um, uh, you know, it might have griffins in it. It might have lion's heads in it. It's very ornate. Somebody hand-carved that. Absolutely stunning, probably late 1700s to 1800s. And to to sell and to ship uh, one of these giant armoires is just, right now, it, it's just a, a dead market. Um, so what they've been doing is sitting on it for so long that they decided to disassemble it. So they're selling the doors for a couple hundred dollars each. They're selling um, the hardware for money, which is great for me because I was missing a knob. Um, and then they're selling the pediments, if you will. So that would be the the, the piece across the top that would be real curvy and show like the griffins or the lions or the scenery, whatever's in that item. Uh, usually these pediments would go over door frames, uh, would be ornately detailed um, in, say, Poland, had a lot of carved wooden uh, pieces. All of that stuff now is being disassembled and sold. Um, and people who have like a modern house might buy the pediment for a couple hundred dollars, sit it on their mantle, uh, or install it as an installation on their wall. Um, so I, I really hate to say, but some of the most beautiful um, antique furniture is being disassembled and piecemealed out. Um, and, and the sad thing is, you know, somebody who is selling um, a giant, say, French carved uh, hutch and the things maybe, that, I know the one I have is 10 foot tall, 
Um, and it has to fit in a certain type of house, you know, because it's very high. And, and you know, I have it in a country cabin. And I, I'm really struggling here. But um, I, I just couldn't bear to get rid of it. I mean, it's just so beautiful. I used to live in a Victorian home, which was huge ceilings. Um, big rooms, and I kept the best out of the best furniture. Um, I literally got rid of an 1800s mahogany. Um, <laughs> it was an 1800s mahogany um, original general store um, piece. It had been missing um, items. I found it in Baltimore out in bulk trash. I remember pushing it down the road with a friend of mine. We got that sucker into the house. Um, I had that thing for about 20 years, and, and I couldn't bring it with I tried to sell it. Nobody wanted it because it was missing parts and pieces. It's very big, very huge. And it ended up going, uh, literally getting broken down and repurposed wood. And that just killed me. Um, so European collectibles, sorry, that was my dryer. I'm actually multitasking today. Um, European collectibles, you know, carved wood. So remember this, you know, if you're out and you see a really dilapidated, you know, broken down hutch and somebody knows that it's broken and they're selling the whole thing, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, you know, remember the value is in the hardware. The value is in the, the panels that are carved and the, the value is in the pediments. It kills me to tell you to do that, but it's better than ending up in a trash heap somewhere and never being appreciated or used again. Um, and then the other thing about European collectibles is the metal. Um, just like Metal Some Means has in her shop, um, you know, you'll see a lot of animals or a lot of uh, ornate uh, Roman figures or angels or angelic looking things or soldiers or Nordic warriors that are cast out of metal, um, cast bronze cast lead, cast whatever, if you will. Um, I actually have a deer that came from Europe somewhere. Um, the, the deer looks a little bit different than our deer. It might be like a great elk or something. I don't know. Um, but that thing is like a lead cast. Um, and I don't really know what type of metal it is. I like to call it like a junk metal. Um, but that thing is filled with either concrete or something on the inside. So, so when I went to go pick up this little, you know, little tiny deer, you know, that I had actually found in the thrift shop. Um, and I, I just, you know, went over to it real quick. I went to go pick it up, man. I couldn't even move the thing. The thing must weigh about 25 pounds. So it, it's a doorstop or of some sorts. Um, you know, <laughs> so that's something. Now, remember that things were different back in primitive times um, in, in Europe. Uh, modernization here in the States, I think, happened a little bit quicker uh, than in Europe, I want to say. So a lot of really cool vintage things are still being used, uh, still being kept, still being coveted over there. Um, a lot of dough bowls, a lot of wooden bowls, a lot of things like that are definitely worth their weight in gold. Um, and it would be really cool to find an old antique bucket like the uh, wells. Wells are really, um, uh, we call them wishing wells, you know, but wells, the old well buckets, uh, just like here in the States, the old sap buckets uh, are worth a lot of money. You will see some beautiful handmade uh, old well buckets um, that are European and that are extremely collectible. Another thing that is very collectible in European uh, collecting is teapots and cooking pots. Um, and these are the type of old coppery uh, de decorative items that these would be just like uh, if you can imagine 
living in a thatched roof farmhouse with a cooking fire and you would have one pot to heat up your water you would have uh, one pot to heat your tea or you know whatever and then one pot to cook your grub in and these would have mostly been uh, hand hammered hand beaten blacksmith made you know uh, hand no two alike original kettles, uh, maybe it would look like something a witch might have, but these old copper kettles and these old um, copper pots and pans that are all dented up and all messed up are really highly collectible um, for a couple of things. The Nordic and vintage style is in, and just the history of them is amazing. And lo and behold, uh, as time goes by, less and less are actually found. Um, you know, more are broken, discarded, or recycled, uh, melted down into something new. Um, obviously, right now, you cannot cook and eat uh, spaghetti sauce or anything out of copper. It would be toxic to you. Um, but for decor purposes, you can sure take, I have an old copper uh, pot. It is absolutely stunning. Um, it has two handles on the side. It was definitely handmade. Um, my friend Patrick got it for me. And right now, I have like some really cool flowers sticking out of it. And it just looks great great in the home. So a lot of buckets, a lot of pails, a lot of cookware, a lot of uh, really, really old stuff. 1800s, super collectible. If you're lucky enough to find 1700s, super collectible. Books as well from Europe are extremely collectible. German books, French textbooks, um, anything like that are extremely collectible for decor in the house. And also there is a whole uh, variety of people who collect um you know, French books or, you know, German books or things of that nature. Um, some of the earliest books um, are written in Latin and come from Italy and England. And you can find a lot of 1700s books still um, in good condition, believe it or not, uh, with marbled pages. And, you know, these are really cool books. I can't read Latin. I can't read them, but I think they're really cool in the home. I actually had an old book that um, I tried to get translated and it translated into uh, something about a unicorn. Uh, and I'm hoping that they were talking about a rhinoceros uh, with the unicorn in, uh, you know, the unicorn horn. Um, but I found that to be very Merlin-esque <laughs> and very interesting. So I kept that book around the house somewhere. Um, anything to do with Vikings or Nordic mythology is going to be very collectible. A lot of old bottles that come from Europe are extremely collectible. You'll see a lot of clay, handmade uh, items are extremely collectible. So there's a way to take everything that I just said and put it in a cottage setting, put it in a seaside setting. Um, if you have a copper pot and you put that in a seaside shore home, you can fill it with sand um, and starfish, you know, dried starfish, or you could, you know, whatever you're finding along the beach. Um, I've seen old copper pots in somebody's shore home where they have um, filled it with sea glass that they found on the beach, and it, it, it really looks amazing. Um, you know, they had that sitting outside. I guess the copper pot had had a hole in the bottom. So instead of throwing it away, they filled it with little sea shards. And so when the sun beams down and hits the edge of that copper pot, it's all shiny and bright, hits all those sea, sea glass shards, looks very pretty. Um, so there's ways to decorate with old things, European collectibles. Um, don't throw them away. If you see something 
something broken or messed up and, and it's only a few bucks, find a way to repurpose it because these are things that history uh, one day will not have. If everybody throws everything away, the landfills get, you know, plummeted with stuff and we're not doing our part to recycle or to reuse. So for cottage collectibles, obviously anything wooden goes. Uh, seaside cottages, I really like using old fishing nets and lobster traps and lobster buoys and things that of that nature that you can find along the seashore, really natural elements. So when you're decorating your home or you're collecting antiques um, or you're buying to sell to people, you know, think about like the style in which they're looking for. You know, if somebody has a, sea, a seaside home, Nine times out of ten, they're going to have rattan or wicker, or natural elements, seashells, and things that flow with that particular style home. So the cleaner your lines are, the more neutral your colors are, never pass up a neutral, cool item that can fit into five different collecting sex. Um, and I say sex, S-E-C-T-S. And I don't know if that's the right word, but I use that a lot um, because I feel like there's different sex of people who collect different sex of items. And, you know, it's almost like categories, you know, like if you have something that fits into five different categories, then you have something worth selling. Um, and you can label it as such, but let me know what you feel is the most coolest, um, European collectible. Um, my particularly favorite thing that I've ever found is the European toys. Um, they were really, really big into this little clown game over there where you would roll a ball and knock down these little wooden pins. Uh, it was probably 10 pins, but I've never found all 10. Um, I think I have, actually, I have two sets of nine. So it must have been a nine-pin game. Um, but it was like a little wooden ball and these little hand-painted clowns. And I found two of them from France. And I have two different sets, uh, totally different looks. Um, of these little wooden clown pins with the little wooden ball, and I just love them. And I've seen them listed on Etsy um, for a couple hundred dollars for the set. So I think they hold their weight in gold. Any kind of little vintage toy games that we're not used to seeing over here in the States um, might be something cool worth collecting, cool worth reselling, and cool worth having in your home. So I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Um, I hope you're enjoying... Um, living a vintage life. We're going into season three, which is really hard to believe soon. I appreciate everyone who's listening. Um, let me know what you might like to hear about. Um, and definitely go over to our sponsor of today's episode, Meddlesome Means. Check out their shop and let me know what your favorite thing is in their shop. Have a great day and thanks so much for listening to Living a Vintage Life. For all you vintage junkies who shop Retro Chalet, make sure to use coupon code RETRO10 when checking out so you save 10% on your order.